Hey beautiful, we are living in a wounded patriarchy. But as women, we have an innate wisdom of who we are really meant to be. Our guest, Sarah Yagu, helps us unpack how we can heal humanity one person at a time. You are listening to the Africana Woman Podcast. I am your host, Chulu. You can find out more about me on AfricanaWoman.com. Every week, I ask an Africana woman to invite us into her home to give us a snapshot into what happens behind her closed doors. I hope you will join me on this journey of discovery, revelation, and self-awareness. I'm not going to lie, it may become uncomfortable sometimes. However, I encourage you to push past your unease and challenge yourself to think differently. The simple act of expanding yourself to receive the unknown may be transformational for you. If you are new to the podcast, welcome, welcome, welcome. Make sure you subscribe so that you can get all of this goodness every week. So I know that I say, hey, beautiful (laughs) all the time, but there are men that listen to this podcast too. And I just want to give a shout out to Chilelu and Piotr. And I so appreciate you guys and any other guys that I haven't mentioned. Now, next week is the 50th. Yes. 50th episode of the Africana Woman with Chulu podcast. I would love to hear from you. Send me a voice note, be it on WhatsApp or Instagram, wherever. Send me a voice note to help me celebrate this huge milestone in the podcast. You can find the hotline number in the show notes. Okay, today's conversation is sure to disrupt your thoughts, your patterns, and self-talk. Hey, it's really good. But before we jump in, I want to tell you about my week. So this is going to be some real talk, guys. As I am speaking, my team has completely disintegrated for various reasons, personal personal reasons, and so on. This includes... Not having a podcast editor, not having an assistant. Listen, it's just gone super, super wild. Now, as a business owner, the goal is to grow. And, you know, I had added things to the business because there were more hands. I had started off by myself. And then, you know, as uh, the team was growing, I added more features to the business and things like that. Now that everyone has gone, it's, it literally feels like all the balls have been thrown up in the air and I have to figure out which ones I can catch and then which ones to just let fall, right? Of course, I know that a team can be rebuilt, but in the interim, I have to put some things aside. So I've thought about it um, long and hard, and it's so difficult, these decisions, adulting, guys. (laughs) And I decided that my mantra in this season is simplicity. Basically, how can I streamline Africana women to simple processes? And for the podcast, I'm going to go back to the old format. And guess what? Uh, I am teaching myself how to edit a podcast. Like, (laughs) guys, pray for me. (laughs) Send me good vibes. (laughs) I am also teachable. So, you know, when you're listening to the podcast here and out, um, just let me know, like, okay, Chulu, you can improve in that area, or maybe you want to work on this and that. Okay. So I'd love to hear the feedback. Um, yeah, don't think that, oh, she, 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 um, doesn't want to hear that. I do. So I'm also suspending all of my social media accounts, except for Instagram. 
If you want to find up-to-date information about Africana Woman or me, you need to follow at Chulu by Design on Instagram. Again, I'm closing everything like Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, da da da, all of those. I'm not going to be posting there for quite some time. So just so that you know, if you want up-to-date information, go to Instagram um, at Chulu by Design. And then I haven't yet decided what to do with the visionaries. Uh, I don't want to close it, that I know for sure, but I definitely need to scale back. So here is what I do know. (laughs) With all of this resistance or interference that is happening right now, the easy thing would be to give up on Africana woman. But I have a coach who says sloppy progress is better than inaction. So I am asking for your grace as my community, as the listeners and the audience. audience. I'm asking for your grace. Um, If you notice things not being up to the standard you are used to, just give me a bit of time to reassemble the team. Rest assured, I'm not giving up on Africana women. Okay, so the conversation you are going to hear with Sarah Yagub is so timely for me. I was listening to it again, and um, and I just thought, wow, I am going through all of that, <laughs> all of that that we talk about. <laughs> and I don't want to give too much away. Um, I will talk about it on the other side of the interview. So here is my conversation with Sarah. Enjoy. Sarah Yagub, the intentional entrepreneur, is a mother, wife, businesswoman, referral marketing expert, speaker, author, investor, founder of the Referral Circle, and host of Renegade Revolution Radio podcast. A former overworked corporate yes girl, Sarah escaped the nine to five grind using what she learned to build her small business into a successful multi-million dollar business empire. She currently runs three businesses and a podcast. Through digital programs, workshops, and speaking events, Sarah empowers high-achieving female entrepreneurs to shift their mindset, up-level their consciousness, tap into intuition, and live with purpose. She has been featured in Voyage Magazine, Glambition Radio, FDISM, Morning Laziness, and served as a keynote for many organizations and masterminds. Sarah resides in Houston, Texas, along with her husband, two children, and a spunky dog. Sarah, welcome to the Africana Woman Podcast. I'm so excited for you to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julie, for having me. I'm so excited to be here as well. And happy birthday to Africana Woman. I, I heard that you're celebrating your, your first birthday this year. So I'm so excited to be here during this yes. month. <laughs> Thank you. I I um I don't know, it was a bit rough at the beginning and I didn't think we would get here, but I'm so, so grateful to have reached uh the one year um milestone and it's been yes. It's just exciting. I've met so many amazing women. And I was, I actually heard you on Glambition Radio. Uh, and I thought, oh my gosh, that would be an amazing conversation to speak to Sarah. So that's why I reached out to you. And I was, you know, it's one of those things I was kind of like, okay, I'll just reach out. And I don't know if you want to say yes, but, but you did. And I was so grateful. Of course, as soon as you reached out, it was so, um, it was a, you know, a fresh breath because most of the time it's a very business oriented podcast and, and mostly male dominated that reach out to me. So when I saw this is not only just, you know, it's not just for women, but it's also African women of, of whom like, you know, this is my, my people, you know? So I was so excited when I saw that and I couldn't wait. I've been excited to talk to you ever since. So thank you for reaching out (laughs) and thanks for doing this. Okay. So I wanted to find out from you, what is your favorite childhood memory? Oh, wow. (laughs) There are so many. I think for me, all of my childhood memories that I love have always revolved around family because, you know, especially seeing it, we, you know, I'm an immigrant to America. So my dad is African. He's uh, 
born in Sudan. And then my mom is Indian. She was born in India. And so I was born in India because my dad went to Sudan for, um, you know, um, engineering school. And then we moved from India to Sudan where we live for five years. And so for that childhood part, I love, there was just so much in Sudan. That's like the family environment, the, all the nieces and the nephews and the aunts and the uncles and all of that was so beautiful. And I loved it so much. And then when we immigrated to America, all of our family lived back home. So we had nobody when we came here. So all of my best childhood memories are definitely from that time where we were around family and there was just, it felt very carefree and lighthearted. And, um, you know, we were, we, we got to get together and we just got to gather and be and enjoy. And even listening to the stories of, you know, some of my elder family members that would share how it was like when they were children, that is the best part of my childhood. When I moved here, a lot of that went away. And so it was a lot more difficult here in America. So I always cherish those memories that I have. Oh, that sounds, it sounds very, um, I just, I love to hear stories from, you know, the elders and, you know, what they, what they had been through and the compa- and making a comparison with what you're going through. You're thinking, oh my gosh, life is so hard or boring. And they're like, child, please. This is what we used to <laughs> Exactly. So I, so I love that. I absolutely do. So yeah. like you mentioned, your, um, you your parents are from india and sudan your dad is from sudan and your mom is from india and i i always wonder what it's like to grow up in a multicultural home um and you know it's it's i don't know is it are they are the cultures far removed or they're actually more similar than we think they're Yeah, I would definitely say they're more similar than we think. And it's beautiful because when you see, sometimes when you have a combination of the cultures, there are some, some things that are not as similar, like for the Indian culture, especially where my mom came from, they had a lot of, um, it was kind of everyone did their own thing. They still got together as a family, but it wasn't as tight knit of a community as like my Sudanese culture. So I think that my mom, especially since she did move to Sudan after leaving India, she really adopted that because I think that's what she craved in India, that India had become extremely westernized after the civil, um, the um, colonization by the British, right? So I think that the elders in India also were used to that very tribal community where everyone is kind of you know, you still come together a lot more, you still have that very tight knit community. And I think um, some of the Western cities, and I'm not saying all of India, because there's some Indian uh, cities that kept a lot of the tradition before the civil, the colonization from the British. But um, in my, where my mother was from, it became very Western. And so they had lost a lot of that coming together as like tribes, you, you know, like the tribal community. And so I think when my mom moved to Sudan, that is what she was craving, because she had never had that in her childhood, even though she had heard her grandmother and and the elders talk about uh, once upon a time when it used to be the same in her city in India as well. So for her, that was what she, she, that was the only real big difference was that in her culture. But the thing is, as you see in her culture, once upon a time, it used to be the same as the Sudanese culture. The Sudanese just didn't let it, um, cause they were also colonized by the British as well. However, that was one thing that if you go to Sudan, you can see that that's one of the things they didn't let go of. Like it has not become Westernized in that sense where it is still very much tribal community. You still have everyone coming together. Sometimes they even live together like the elders and the, the next generation they still get together for the dinners and coming together and talking every evening. You know, it's not, they haven't become too busy with life that they've forgotten the traditional things that were important to the family unit in Sudan. So um, in that sense, that was the only real big piece, but everything else was very similar. Like when we look at both cultures, both of them, the family unit was very important, both of the cultures actually. And I'm so grateful for my dad coming from a very, um, his family in Sudan is very, I wouldn't say liberal, they're traditional in a sense. However, they've kept that the, that the matriarchy plays a major role. So my dad is not the typical, um, and I won't say even African, cause I think a lot, there's many African communities that aren't like this, but there are still some very much that, uh, the woman's role is, is, um, discredited or maybe is, uh, 
seems like subservient. And in my dad's family, my, my grandfather was very strong. My grandmother was very strong. I never got to meet her because she passed when she had my father. But, um, I know from the way that my whole father's family was raised that she was the matriarchal figure. She was like the, the grandmother of the family, you know, everyone went to her, including my grandfather. And so in, in a lot of sense, like my dad's family really did, um, put women on a pedestal and treated women as equals, you know, in the family, if not even having a little bit more wisdom than most of the men in the family. So that was a lot of the beautiful things that you see of the blending of the cultures is that you see the way that, um, traditionally things were that maybe we got away from. So you got to see the beauty in both of those, those cultures and kind of take what was good and what was working and then leave what didn't work. You know, I didn't have like an identity where I had to be one way because I saw the good and the things that I don't really want. And so then I, I could take that. And so did my, my parents did the same thing. They took the, the things in their cultures that were that were working well. And then the things that weren't working well, they kind of just let it go, you know, which made them rebels from, you know, in the eyes of some of their, 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 um, the people in the country, but at the same time, it was what worked best for them. And I do, I do appreciate them for, for being able and courageous enough to do something like that. Cause in my mom's culture, I mean, they did not like that. She married a black man. She, they didn't like that. She, and not just a black man, a very, very dark black man. They did not like that. My dad is from Muslim descent. So they didn't like that. He was Muslim and not Hindu, which was a uh, Brahmin, which is what my mother's religion was. So there was a lot that they had to work out with the melding of the two, but I'm grateful that they just let all the stereotypes put aside and decided what works for them. And that's what they took. And that's what they instilled in our family unit. That's great. You know, it's, it reminds me of um, my country, Zambia, where we have 74 tribes and about 80% of them are matrilineal, but you know, there is a conflict between the patriarchy, which was introduced by um, colonization, and then, you know, the system as it was. So it's, I don't know, there's always instances where they are just clashing and fighting. But historically, we are a matrilineal society here in Zambia, at least. And um, I think it's just sad because people don't know how to reconcile the two and how to make them work, you know? Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. I was just going to say, I agree with you. And I know that this is controversial, but um, I do believe that the entire world at a certain point was matri- matrilineal. I do believe that the matriarchy ran the organization, the matriarchy was at the top. And I do believe that that's a history that's been hidden from us. Because if you look at Sumerian texts, which the Sumerian civilization is the civilization that really built the pyramids, even though they tell us it was the Egyptians, but that's another story for a different day. But underneath the pyramids, where there's plenty of texts before they could write when they used to draw out pictures, there are so many texts down there. And um, I want to say that at this point, only 20% has been um, <clears throat> translated. Yes. And so if you look at a lot of that text, it talks about the women running government. It talks about, you know, it wasn't called government back then, but you know what I mean? It was like the women were the leaders, you know, the the men played a very important part as well, but the women were the ones that would make the decisions, you know, and there was a lot of times where the women were the warriors as well. So I do believe that there was a lot that the matriarchy, like the, the female figures, they did used to play a very big part in everything. You know, we were just as important as the men, if not more important because of the innate wisdom that is held within the female DNA, you know? And so I do think that our history has been wiped from us so that this is not something that's spoken about on the mainstream. And this is not something they teach us at school. Most of us. I mean, some, I, I do think that we are coming to an age where more people are realizing this because I don't think we can have this conversation 50 years ago. Me and you could not be sitting here on a platform like this and have this type of conversation because it was not allowed, you know? So now I think we are coming to the time where we are realizing like there was a very beautiful feminine presence that was in all of the leadership roles of the world. And that was when the world ran a lot smoother and more beautifully and with more compassion and with more love and grace and all of the great things that we are right now missing in a society because unfortunately the a wounded mate uh, patriarchy i won't say because a man a pat you know the patriarch in their full form is not going to treat 
the, the female, you know, poorly or as a subservient, because a true, uh, you know, masculine is going to recognize the divinity in the female. And so it's at it's equal, you know, they respect it's a mutually beneficial relationship. And it's a mutual respect. And right now, the leaders of everything are operating from a very wounded masculine energy. And so with that, that's why there is this, this pushing down of the female, you know, and this, um, this chastising and this, uh, putting just putting the female as a submissive, which is not the way that we are supposed to be. And so I do believe that we are learning that as women, and even there's men now that are healing that part of them. And so they are coming along, you know, because even women, we have to heal that because for years and years and generations, they've been putting us in a place that we don't belong. And so in many ways, that's done some damage for us as well. And so I do believe that that's the beauty of what is happening right now in the world scape is that many things that were done in the dark and much of our history that might have been hidden from us is starting to come to light. And so we are starting to expand and become back in those places that we deserve to have been all of these years and all of these generations. You know, I did a, a, a talk, I guess, uh, in about March 2020, and I was talking about the power of the African woman, past, present, and future. And in my research, you know, one of the things that was very clear was how the women were the were the spiritual conduits for the community, you know? And then when, um, you know, popular religions came in and said, only men can, you know, read the, only men can read, um, you know, the holy texts and only men can lead the community and all of that. It really did, really did cut um, women off in a way that I feel has, in a sense, left a wound like a generational wound even up to now and women don't necessarily know how to heal from that you know and I think I guess my question for you is well I I guess I'm curious right because I'm coming from the history that you you have in terms of you've been exposed to um, Islam, you've been exposed to um, Hinduism and, you know, all these different types of religions. How do you find your, um, how do you center yourself in what you believe and uh, who you believe in? Because everybody wants to be very exact about it. Like, no, it's me, or it's, this is what I believe, and, you know, it's, it, this has to be true, and you are wrong, no one else can be true, <laughs> so I was, I'm just curious about, you know, what your journey was like in terms of, you know, navigating through the different, um, the different uh, religions and, um, I guess, spiritual experiences that you've been through. Sure. I I love that question. And I do. I love that you phrased it as a journey because it very much is a journey when we are talking about generations of this wounding, you know, this generational wounding is deep, you know, and so uh, it is very much a journey. It's not something that I think that you wake up one day and you're just like, oh, I'm healed from it and I'm good, you know, because you have to first it's a very it's a discovery we have to bring to the surface the wound so that we can actually address it. And so that includes looking really internally in yourself and thinking in which ways am I living my life in accordance to some of these, this indoctrination and this conditioning by the wounded uh, patriarchy, in what ways am I living my life in that way? Right. And that really has to do with evaluating, okay, am I choosing this religion? Let's just say religion. Okay. Am I choosing this religion? Because I truly believe in my heart that this is the right religion for me, or am I choosing to go with this religion because everyone around me has told me that this is what I'm supposed to do, you know, and I'm, I'm using religion, but religion is not the only thing. This is can come in any way. Um, the work that you're doing, right. If you're looking at the work that you're doing and you're really evaluating, okay, am I doing this work? Because I enjoy this. I love this. It lights a fire in me that makes me feel alive. It expands me. Okay, beautiful. Stick with it. You're doing great, right? And then if you look at the work you're doing and you're like, 
well, my family, you know, kind of pushed me to do this for me. If, if I know some people don't know my background, but I was originally in medical school because once we immigrated here, like most people who come from other countries, you know, your parents want you to be what a doctor or a lawyer, maybe, you know, (laughs) one of a few things, right. A handful of things at most. And so for me, when we came here, my parents definitely wanted me to be a doctor. And I just went along with it because, you know, I was a good girl, you know, and I put that in air quotes for those listening, because uh, this is the indoctrination and, and good, good adults, you know, my parents were good parents, they did the best they could. But they did try to indoctrinate me by telling me I should be something when really, they didn't give me an opportunity as a child to discover what do I like to do, you know, do I even want to be a doctor? So me going along with this good girl persona, I did go into medical school. And then I realized it wasn't for me because I, you know, I love medicine and I love science, but being in a hospital and all that setting, it was not for me. And so, um, that had to come with a very discomfort of like, first of all, realizing all of what I worked towards and all the money I spent and the time I spent, um, and the hard work I did to get good grades, which I did get, um, I was going to have to throw that down the drain, or at least that's what it feels like when you're releasing that layer, right? And then you have to come to the terms of, I have to be okay with telling my parents, oh, hey, I'm, you know, I'm sorry. I know that all your life and everything you've worked hard for is to bring me to this country so I can become a doctor. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to become a doctor. And that is extremely uncomfortable. And so the reason I'm saying this is because heal wounds, and the conditioning of the patriarchy the wounded patriarchy is by examining all of the ways that we live our lives, all of our beliefs, all of the layers of um, personas or, you know, like masks that we might be wearing that we don't even, we might not even realize that we're wearing it. And so the way that we do that is by taking a few moments each day to just be with ourselves and inquire within like, who am I really at the core? You know, if I release the shedding that was put on me by my mom, by my dad, by my culture, by my society, by, you know, TV influencers, you know, actors, whatever, right? All of these different influences that are out there in the external world. If I release those influences internally, who am I at my core? And that is when we discover First, you, you will discover the wound because you will discover, wow, I am for me, I quit medical school, but let's say I had gone down the path of becoming a doctor and every day I was just waking up and dreading life and going and working and I'm doing good for the world, right? I'm saving lives. I'm doing good, but inside I'm dying because I'm not fulfilling what is real to me. And being a doctor was not real to me, right? So if you're at the point where you're discovering yourself and you're realizing all my life, I'm feeding into this thing that I thought I was supposed to be, and I'm not really, that's not really me inside. That's a pain. Like you're going to find that wound and that wound's going to hurt. And sometimes it's easier to ignore the wound and say, let me just keep going. What am I, if I, if I quit being a doctor now, what will I do with my life? You know, it's hard to, to acknowledge that. So sometimes it's easier to just dismiss it and just go along living your life. But at some point it's going to hit you. That's why we hear of so many people having a midlife crisis because they've done it for so long that at some point it's going to get old because that's not really you inside of you is what you really want to do. And you're, you're suppressing that, suppressing that, suppressing that until one day it'll either come out as a midlife crisis or it will come out as an illness because what you don't address inside of you will come out one way or another. And there's no hiding from that, you know? So this is how we we are proactive instead of being reactive and waiting till midlife, right? Let's not do that because there's no reason. Instead, we take some time at every day for just a quick self-inquiry. And it's not about changing everything in one day, but it's just looking at the layers of you and seeing, is this layer really mine? Or is this layer something someone else put on me? And if it's something someone else put on me and I don't want it, I'm going to let it go. And that can take time. You know, it can take time. If you're in a job that you don't like and you realize that's a layer you don't want and you need to release it and shed it, then what you do is you you make a plan for some change. You don't look at all the layers all at one day because that becomes too much, right? We can't change our religion and our, we can, but it's it's hard. But, um, and not to say that you have to change all these things, but you to evaluate them, give yourself some time and some space to look at these things that are coming up and see, are they really mine or should I release them? And then that's how, you know, what you need to do, you know, but it is uncomfortable at the beginning, you know, through the discomfort, that's how we come to change. And that's how we come to grow and evolve and expand. You talk about um, intuition and I think 
a lot of people because they're not necessarily used to trusting themselves really because they're like you're saying if you're if you've been doctrined to believe certain things or you know you're used to listening to your parents you're used to listening to your spouse your partner you know you're not really comfortable with actually um trusting that you can make a good decision yes <laughs> for you you know um what would you say to the woman who is struggling with their intuition and just being able to follow that and trust that their intuition is 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 working for their good. Yes, I love that and I do think that is something that most of us many of us have struggled with myself included. Um <clears throat> first of all, first thing I can say that is just right off the bat is the more you use it the better it gets because the more you trust it the more you realize that you can trust it. If you never give yourself that chance of like just that little voice that says something, if you don't ever, you know, trust it or believe it, then the more it, you know, the harder it'll be. And also you will never experience that, what the magic that it can bring to you. Right. But initially what I would say before even getting into the trusting of your intuition is to shut off anything that is negative to learn to shut off the negative talk. So like, let's say you're just going about your life and you have an idea or a spark or something that's like, I should let, let, look at you. You have a, a podcast. I also started a podcast and that's what we're on right now. But let's say you were given that spark of like, I want to start a podcast. And if right away you hear a voice inside that starts to tell you, what, why would you start a podcast? No one's going to listen. No one wants to hear about your podcast. Where will you find people to listen to it? What's the point of that? It's not going to bring you any money. It's going to take you away from your family. If you hear any of those negative voices, the first thing you can start doing before, let's say before you take the move on, on starting your podcast, right? And I'm just using this as, as an example, but use it in whatever way makes sense for you in your life. Okay. But before you take the inspired action, let's learn to shut those negative voices down. Now I will say, I like to take the inspired action anyway, let the voices talk and you just keep on going. But if you're not there yet, I understand. So let's learn to shut those off. Let's maybe put some post-it notes around your house that remind you of your power, right? Because there, that voice is, is a training and a conditioning. We've been trained and conditioned, especially as women. And most of your, the women listening to this are probably women of color, especially us more than anybody else. We have been trained not to trust ourselves. And this has been years and lineage, right? It's in our DNA. They've trained us for a very long time not to trust ourselves. At one point in time, they killed those of us that were like me and Chulu because we talk, right? And they don't like us talking. So we have to remember we are fighting. We are going against so many odds. Okay. So it takes time to train yourself to trust yourself again, because they want you not to trust yourself. So how can you love yourself more every day? Right. It, can it be that let's say you're a busy woman at home and maybe you have a family, maybe you're working as well and you're doing everything for everybody else. Can you take a few moments each day to just do what you want to do? Just be right. You want to walk in the park or walk outside, go put your feet on the ground, walk by yourself, right? You want to write in a journal, go get a journal and write for yourself. Can you just carve out some time every day for yourself? Because what this will do is it will train you to love yourself again, because we've been trained to not love ourselves. And once you start to love yourself again, you'll become, you'll start to trust yourself, right? You'll start to feel into how you feel and you'll start to get back into your heart because they put you in your head and they put you in your head for a reason because the head can be infiltrated with their training and their lies and their deception so that you're tricking yourself. You're not your thoughts. So those negative thoughts that come up, that's not you. That's the training. That's the conditioning. You know, that is that is the false patriarchy. That is the inverted negative female energy. Cause it is, it's, it can be female energy. It can be male energy, but whatever it is, it's not you. Okay. You, the innate you is beautiful. It will never say anything bad to you. Even if you're going to do something and maybe it's not the time it'll say maybe not yet. Right. But it will never say you're not good enough. It will never say you're not worthy. It will never say nobody will listen to that. Nobody needs to hear your voice. Nobody. That's not you. Those are the the fake implanted thoughts, right? So what we need to do each day is just put some space between you and those fake thoughts. And the way that you do that is taking time to yourself every day to do what you love, 
to remind yourself of your power, to take your power back, to love yourself again, and then you will learn to trust yourself, okay? Because right now, if you feel like you can't trust yourself, maybe it's because those implanted thoughts are running the show and you can't trust those implanted thoughts, right? So let's create some space between the real you and those implanted thoughts so that you can remember who you really are because at your essence, you're more powerful than you know, and they want to diminish that from you. They want to take that away from you and they've done a good job so far. So now we need to take our power back and learn again how to love ourselves, right? And the way we do that is by creating that space. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, So just going back to what you said about like people like you and me who talk, (laughs) because recently I have been called, oh, she's not a team player. She's, you know, all sorts of names. And I'm like, oh, and you know, at first I was very confused. I thought, why would someone say I'm not a team player? I feel like everything I do is to, you know, enhance the community that I'm working in. But for, I think where that statement came from, it came from a a fear of, or not one, not being used to being challenged, um, a fear of losing power. <laughs> um, and I guess not being able to have these types of difficult conversations even though, um, and I guess not hate each other at the end of it. I don't know how to explain yeah. that better. <laughs> but, you know, I, 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 for women that are, you know, that are loud or that speak, that use their voices. And as more women are really beginning to come back to themselves and really love themselves and know their worth, you know, there's, there's going to be um, opposition, because the rest of the world is not exactly there. And that's a whole lot of people. (laughs) Yep. Yep. How do you cope in terms of, you know, when you come against that type of energy and that type of space? Because I feel like sometimes it can, it can feel, um, it can feel like you just want to give up. Like what's the point and why am I doing this when I, when it when it feels like the whole world is against me but how how do you sustain and maintain being who you are truly meant to be you know what i mean yes no i i love that i agree with you 100% i like to answer this in in two different phases okay so one phase is saying this when we when we say women like us right what are we we are disruptors right we are disrupting the status quo so the status quo is that you do as the system tells you to do. Okay. So we're going to take the patriarchy. I've talked about it as the wounded patriarchy and let's just call it the system. Okay. The system is designed to disempower all of humanity really, but especially the woman and especially the woman of color, but let's not go there. All of humanity really is supposed to be, uh, is, is sequestered and suppressed by the system. And as long as you are living in accordance to this suppression, the system has no problem with you. It's not going to attack you because you're doing what the system wants you to do. Okay. You're slowly giving away your power to the system. And as long as you're doing that, no problem. The system will work for you. You go on social, you'll get blasted. Everybody will love all your stuff and all that. The, the world is easy when you're living in accordance to the rules of the system. Okay. And I, on my show, Renegade Revolution Radio, we call this the matrix. Okay. But you can call it really whatever, but the matrix, that's what it's designed to do. So as long as Chulu and Sarah are obedient and we don't use our voice to amplify humanity and do good things for the world. If we were using our voice right now to sell stuff online, just like random, like that helps, you know, eBay or, or Amazon or, you know, these big organizations, oh, they don't have a problem with us. They love us. Right. But the minute we start using our voices to talk about really things that really matter and get people to think for themselves and to possibly break out of the system themselves. Now the system will come for you. The system will start to, maybe it'll censor your post. Maybe you won't get as much visibility. Maybe you'll get robots that are what we call internet trolls. Okay. They're not really trolls. Sometimes it's an ugly person on the other side, but most of the time it's the system itself, right? The system will use any tools it can to come after you. And why? Because they're hoping exactly what you said. When you get that message and you see it and you're just like, I want to quit. Thank God we kept going, right? 
but what they're hoping is that they will break you down and you will quit. Okay. So that's the system and it will come for you when you break out of it. As soon as you break out of it now, before, when you're in the system, they don't care about you. You're just a number in the system. They don't care. But as soon as you break out now, it's like, you're this big, big beacon of light and the system will come and attack you. Like, and, and you'll see it from every different angle. And you're like, wow, what did I do? Even interference. Like me, sometimes when I'm recording my podcast, Zoom will work fine for every other meeting. But when I'm going to talk about something that's really going to get people thinking, the system will break down and the, the uh, web, you know, the Zoom won't work or something like that, right? That's the system. Now, other side of that more, let's, let's bring it down to practical sense. Sometimes people will come for you. Like it could be even your family. I'll tell you that me personally, when I was breaking out of the system, my husband, who I love dearly, who I'm still with, he came for me. You know, he told me, he said, you've changed and not for the better. Now, let me tell you what happens here. And my parents too. My mom told me that I was joining a cult. I have no idea where this cult is because I had nobody at that time. (laughs) I was doing this by myself. So I don't know where the cult is. I wish I had a cult at that time. But, um, you know, let me just tell you when it's people that you love like that, they're not part of the system or they are, they're living in the system. This is the problem. What happens is when you break out, right. And you disrupt the status quo and you start to live in your truth, you embody your passion, you listen to your intuition, you've gotten out of the head and now you're in the heart, right. The people who live in the system that are working, like, you know, they're working and they, maybe they don't like their jobs, right. Or maybe they want to say some words and amplify their voice, but they can't because they're afraid to stand in their truth. Right. Um, maybe they're in their headspace all the time and they're talking negatively to, to themselves and they see now, wow, you love yourself. Wow. You're using your voice and using your words to express how you really feel. So now you're disrupting in them, the system that's in them, right? So they are imprisoned by themselves, right? They, now you are showing them, wait, truly. And I'm like, oh, Sarah broke out of that prison. And then they feel because the system has beaten them down so much that they can't do that for themselves. So at first it disrupts them. You know, it makes them feel like what's wrong with Chuli? What's wrong with Sarah? You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like you're making them, their insecurities are coming out so much that they want to attack you versus seeing you and saying, mm, I, I think I can do that for myself too. You know what I mean? And so for my husband, my parents still haven't come around yet. I love them to that. They, th- they still think I'm in a cult, whatever. They'll come around one day. But my husband, I didn't force it on him or anything like that. But with time, when he saw, wow, she's breaking out of the system. Wow, she's speaking up for herself. Wow, she's starting this business and it's actually working. Because when I wanted to start our business and I quit my corporate job, he didn't want to do it. He was like, no, corporate is good. We got benefits. We're making money. You know, and I'm like, no, no, no. The system's making money. You know, they're giving me a little piece of it for all the work I'm doing, but now they're taking me away from my family. They're taking away from my life. My health is fading. You know what I'm saying? Like all the things that, uh, that I was, all the benefits that I was getting from the system was just a little bit of money, but they were really getting the most benefit, which is my life force energy. Everything that was important to me, they were getting that. And I was sacrificing that for the little bit of money they were giving me. So when I broke out of the corporate grind and I wanted to start a business at first, it really disrupted my husband. And he was like, I don't, this is not a good idea. We're going to go broke, blah, blah, blah. And I said, just trust me, just trust me. Let's just, let's just see what happens, you know? And then with time, once he saw the benefits, but see, I didn't need to see the benefits. I had the faith. You know, and with time, now he has the faith too, but it took him a minute. You know, and this is why when we go back to that conversation, when we say there was a time where the women led is because this, uh, as women, we have this innate wisdom within us. And that's why they beat it down so much, because if we trusted that the world would be a better place, the men would be in a better place. The women would be in a better place. All the world would be in a better place. And so the less we can trust that the better it is for the system. So it's, you see how it's all, everything's just so related, but that's what it is, is that when they come for you now, it doesn't bother me. I don't mind the haters when it's from the system. I know, oh, that's a robot. I don't even care. You know, it's like, oh, the, oh, the, the zoom's not working today. Okay. Let me see. Is there something Skype? Can I use some Skype? Can I get a phone call? You know, you just, I see it now. It used to really bother me and it doesn't bother me anymore. And when it's a a person that's a close family member or friend or a business acquaintance. I lost a lot of business acquaintances. I've lost a lot of my friends. My circle has become very small. And what I do, I don't get mad. 
I don't get hurt anymore. Now I will say at the beginning, it did hurt me at the beginning. Right. But now when I see it for what it is and it's like, wow, they're seeing this in me and it's really hurting them because they have unhealed parts, let them heal. And if they're meant to be, they'll come back around. And that's what happened with my husband. He came back around with my good friends that left for a while. They've come back around with my sisters. They've come back around. So it's like you just continue on your path. And especially when you know that your path is on the right path and they will, if they're meant to be with you, they will come back around. And if they're not meant to be with you, cause I've lost some friends that they never came back around and that's okay because they are part of the system. They like that lifestyle. And if I need to be with them, I have to lower myself and I'm not going to, because I broke out of that system and I'm not going back to it. So that's just the way I look at it now is very big picture. That's the system. It's trying to pull all these people down. And it's like, I'm going to keep rising. And I hope some of them can rise with me because I am reaching my hand out to help them up with me. And if they choose it, they can come with me. But if they don't choose it, they stay in the system. And I cannot, I can't lower myself to be with them. And that's not lower in an arrogant sense. That just means uh, energetically, I don't want to be pulled back in. That's all. Oh, so many good things that you said there. <laughs> I feel something that I was just thinking about when you when you when you just said that. Um, I, I would. I'm very curious about um, your parenting experience. Um, what was what was your I guess your parenting style pre being in the matrix in the system and then post what what has changed what has transformed in in the way that you parent oh man <laughs> this is a good question and this is for me everything else that's been a benefit of coming out of the system it is not it comes nowhere close to the difference in parenting because that when I see that, when I see how far I've come as far as how I treat my children, and my relationship with my children, it's day and night, it's day and night. So when I was in the system, in the matrix, and I was working the corporate grind, I missed my first for everything with my daughter. So my daughter is the oldest one and my son is young, is the younger one. Okay. So my daughter, when she was first born, I missed her first step. I missed her first words. I missed, I missed so much. I didn't breastfeed as much as I could have just because I needed to get back to work and I didn't have time to, to, to breastfeed. You know, I, um, I trusted everything, anything the doctors would tell me that I needed to do with her. I trusted everyone else over my own opinion. If she was sick, I would call the doctor and say, what, what do I do if she needed anything? Like I always, I took all my power out of me as a parent and I gave it to the external world to tell me what to do with something that came out of me. <laughs> something that I created that came out of me. I trusted everyone else to tell me what to do with her versus what my body already knew to do. Okay. So that is huge in itself. The same goes for education. She was in, you know, once they put her in the school system, um, whatever the school system told me, I believed it. You know, if they said, oh, she's struggling in this subject, I would get a tutor. She would be working hard doing her schoolwork. Poor, poor baby. Trust me. We've done a lot of work since then. <laughs> so. On the flip side, now, after I got out of the matrix and I started to live more consciously, more intentionally, I started to trust myself and I love myself and I learned my innate body, my skills, my intuition, right? Because we think intuition a lot is only a spiritual thing, which it definitely has a lot of spirituality in, involved in it. But we have to remember the gateway to the spirit is through the body, the physical body. And what happens is when you're in the system, you forget your physical body because you are, you neglect it. You're working hard. You're drinking lots of coffee. Sometimes you're working through a restroom break. So you don't even use the restroom. Oh, that's such a dishonor to your temple. This is the temple. Your body is your temple and your body has so much innate wisdom inside of it. And it will tell you exactly what needs to happen. So as far as parenting is concerned, when I got out of the system, Sometimes when I didn't know what to do, my body did, you know, my body would just, it would communicate with me and not, not through words, but I just knew what to do. So like, let's say my daughter was sick. My body would communicate with me in such a beautiful way, like hold her, just hold her, 
You know, sometimes it doesn't take like a medicine. I don't need to call a doctor and run away to go get some medicine. Right. Sometimes I would just say, just hold her for a few minutes, just hold her to your body, you know, and I would just let her lay on my chest and, you know, she was older at this time, but I I still would hold her. And I would, I, I wasn't too busy because in the system, you're always busy. You always got stuff to do. You know, when you break out of the system, you realize the things that you're, that are important to you, you always have time for them. My children to give my children love. I have all the time in the world. And I'm now running three businesses. That was way more work than I used to do when I was in the system working just a regular, you know, one position. So now I have much more responsibilities as far as work is concerned, but I have all the time in the world for the things that matter. So if my children need me to hold them, I will hold them. If my children are not feeling well, which by the way, they hardly ever get sick, knock on wood, thank you, God, but they do not get that sick anymore because now we're noticing things ahead of time. I notice like when I see a dip in energy and I'm just like, what's, you know, I see energetically, baby, something's going on. You want to go stand outside in the grass for a little bit? And she'll say, yes, we'll go stand in the grass. We'll blow some bubbles. I feel better. She feels better. There's no, there's no issues there. And so that is the biggest thing as far as parenting is concerned is that now I'm more conscious. So I've taken all the power back. No one can tell me what is best for my child besides me. I don't care about a doctor. I don't care about the experts and what they say. I don't care about a school teacher. You know, I I'm, I'm happy to accept their information. Like I I'm happy for them to tell me information if they want, but that doesn't mean I'm going to accept it for my child. Okay. I know what's best for my child. I know what, like when they tell you, okay, your children have to eat certain things like certain meals, right? My daughter, she loves to eat fruit. She can eat as much fruit as she wants. And I don't care what the doctors say. She is healthy. She knows her body. And that's another thing is now that I am, I've taken my power back. I've also given a lot of my power back to my children as well, because where the school says they have to learn this one thing by this age, I know that kids are different. Some kids are more creative. Some kids are very book smart and they prefer reading and hands-on things. Every child is different, just like every human is different. Okay. That's all that a child is, is a little human. And I am not the master of my child. I am the steward. God has blessed me with my children, which are little souls. And as their steward, I am their guardian. So I do protect them and I do guide them. However, I also recognize that they're sovereign and they are, they have agency over their own body. Right. So if my children say, I don't want this, I respect their opinion. Now, if they're saying, I don't want my vegetables, right? Because <laughs> let's talk practically. You know, sometimes they might say that. I might tell them, like, do you know what vegetables do for you? Like, let me show you how vegetables help you grow and let me show you how good they are. And this is what happens when we eat vegetables, right? And when they say, I want candy, I say, well, let me show you what candy is made out of. Let me show you this pig that they use for the gelatin that they put in the candy. And I'm, I'm honest with my kids. And I'm sorry. I know that that's, you know, p- some parents might not agree with that, but I'm honest because I show them. And now, I don't have to tell them no eating candy because they, what they say is they are like, okay, I'll eat this type one time, but I'm not going to eat a lot because I know what it's made out of. And I know that it's going to hurt my stomach. So it's, it's crazy. Once we start giving people a little bit of their God given powers back to them, because this is granted by God, I, I am in no place to take away the sovereignty and the agency from my child, just because it's my child. You know what I mean? So I think that this is the biggest thing that has happened from my experience of coming out of the system is that now I understand free will and how it works. I understand bodily agency. I understand sovereignty. I understand my role as the parent that I am. It's not me bringing a little human into this world and training them to believe exactly what I believe. Instead, it's I'm, I have been granted and blessed with this guardianship over these little humans. And I'm here as their guidance and their counselor. And if they need me, I'm here and I am here for protection as well. However, I'm also here to allow them to be free and to discover and explore who they truly are so that years from now, they're not healing from the wounding. Like we are, like we have to do, you know, and, and granted all parents, we're going to mess our kids up just a little bit. You know, we're doing the best we can. We're going to mess them up just a little bit, but hopefully it's not too much that they have a lot of unpacking to do once they become adults. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. It's so funny because um, I made, uh, I, I can't remember, you know, these um, documentaries they do on, I think it was Cowspiracy or one of these. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember which one it was. Anyway, I made my, I, I watched it with my son and I was like, look at what you are eating. <laughs> 
And he was like, I think he like he always says, like for five months I couldn't eat pork just because of that show. <laughs> it's but, so funny. I love that. <laughs> so he's he's kind of like he goes in like back and forth like he'll eat some he'll eat vegetables and then he'll be like okay but i think i need a bit of chicken or i I want (laughs) you know like he'll he'll pick out like meats different days but yeah (laughs) it's um yeah uh, interesting diets in our house (laughs) (laughs) same same here it's the same way here i mean i give them free agency so they are able to make their own decisions and me i eat um i eat fish and i will sometimes eat chicken but it depends where it comes from. But that is the beauty of all of this is that it doesn't have to be a set way, right? Like my daughter, she eats no, she is vegan. She does not even eat um, eggs or, or cheese, you know, and she's eight years old. And that is the decision that she's made. And I respect that, you know, and when I was a kid, if I had made that decision, my parents would be like, no, you're eating the meat, you know? <laughs> so it's not that anything. Yeah, exactly. And it's not that anything is right or wrong, but it's just like everyone has the um, ability or should have the ability to decide what is good for them and it and they can change they can be fluid one day they can eat meat like your son can eat meat one day and then he can decide for a few months he doesn't want to eat it and that should be okay you know we shouldn't try to impose our will on to the children when sometimes they know better for themselves than we do you know <laughs> yeah so true okay sarah so in the africana woman community we have a saying which is know your roots grow your purpose so I have some, I have four questions for you. I, I don't like to call them quick fire just because um, if you want to expand, please do feel free. I love the expansion. Um, <laughs> so are you ready? Yes, I am ready. All right, great. All right. So the first question is what are you rooted to? So for me, I think the, this is perfect because it, it's a continuation, but it's definitely sovereignty. I am definitely rooted to sovereignty, seeing as how I feel like as humanity, we have lived for so long with um, disempowering ways or disempowering indoctrination. I, I do believe we're stepping into a period where we are going to be able to express our sovereignty more so than ever before on this planet. And so everything that I do, whether it be through podcasts or blog or, or, you know, online Instagram or, or workshops, everything that I'm doing is to enable sovereignty and man, women, and child. But of course, women is the ones that I'm talking to the most because I do believe we are the leaders of this movement. Great. Okay. So what are your favorite ways to nourish your mind, your body, and your soul? So for me, one is um, definitely being in nature. So I love to, just like I've said so many times on the podcast, but I like to put my feet into the ground, whether it be grass or dirt. If I'm by a beach, I'm not close to a beach, but I love to just put my feet in the beach. So that is number one. Number two is breath. So I'm very conscious about my breath and how I'm breathing. Cause when I left the system, the system trains you to breathe out of your chest. So very fast and very shallow. So I had to retrain myself to breathe deeper and heavier and from the belly versus from the chest. So now I'm, I make a very conscious effort every morning I do a breathwork exercise, but even throughout my day, I have periods where I check in with my breath to ensure I'm breathing from the belly. So that's number two. And then the third one is sunshine. So especially if you're a woman of color, um, the melanin and it's carbon, right. And it's coming from the sun. The more melanated we are, the more we have need to be in the sun. And I do believe the system also trains us to lock ourselves in, in office buildings or something with the fluorescent lighting, which is not even natural to earth. Okay. So look into fluorescent lighting. You'll be surprised because this lighting is not any light spectrum that is found on the planet. So for me, Sunlight is the best form of medicine and it's healing for mind, body, and soul. And I do think it's very activating. And especially those of us with lots of high melanin con content, the more we can get of that, the better we can, we can be because without it, we will diminish everything. And I don't use sunscreens because I do believe that that blocks you from the really absorbing that carbon from the sun. So those are the top three things that I do every single day to, um, nourish my mind, body, and soul. Great. Okay. And then do you have a weakness that has now become your superpower? Well, I would say that 
my people pleasing that I used to be a huge people pleaser and uh, a perfectionist, you know, and that is, um, that has become a very big superpower in the sense that not that I still have those, but it led me to become, to develop my superpower, which is that now I'm sovereign. And that's because those weaknesses taught me and helped me to remember that the reason that I was doing those things were from deep wounding from the indoctrination and from not living in my sovereign space. So that is the reason why I was a perfectionist and a people pleaser, because I felt like I was not worthy and I was not good enough. So I always had to keep going, keep going because I wanted to prove myself to external forces. So that really developed my superpower, which is sovereignty, because it has led me to realize what I was doing. And I was giving my power from inside of me to stuff that's external to me. So when I reclaim my sovereignty, I reclaim my power. And so that's everything behind who I am and my mission on this planet during this time. Nice. Okay. And then the final question is, what do you know as a certainty? What I know as a certainty is that we are a divine eternal being. And the reason that I say that is because I know this and I feel this inside. And I think it's something that we've all forgotten because that's one of the main things that the system wants you to forget is that we are divine, meaning we're connected to our creator, whatever that is for you, no matter what religion, if you know, there's a higher power that is the highest creator of all creation. You want to call it God, you want to call it source, you want to call it whatever, you can call it whatever you want. But that power and us is always connected and that power is in is within us. And so knowing that, Anything that happens in this time and space during our, the blip of time that we are here on this planet, it makes it just a little bit more transient and it makes it a little bit more bearable knowing that we are so powerful and there's, we are connected to that at all times. So it just helps you get through, especially with the chaos that can be the external world, remembering that and grounding in that it really does make this life more bearable and actually a lot more fun because then you don't take things so seriously. (laughs) Excellent. Okay. So how do people get in contact with you? How do they find out what you're doing? You've mentioned workshops and different um, ways that you connect with people. So how do people find out more about you? Sure. Yes. Thank you. So you can definitely go to my website, sarayagoob.com. And if you are liking the stuff that I'm saying here and you're into podcasts, you can also join me at Renegade Revolution Radio. And that is my podcast where we talk a lot about like this energy and everything like that. And when I do start having guests on truly, I'd love for you to stop by there too. Cause now I want to hear all about you and your journey and your story as well. But yeah, that's where you can find me, my website and the podcast. Ah, thank you. That'd be fun. So I actually love listening to your podcast. And what always cracks me up is you'd be like, that's a story for another day. I'm like, I'm still waiting for this story for another day. Like, sis, when are we getting to that story? So I'm like, I can get to this for the other day. Oh, that makes me laugh. People always tell me that. And I actually have one of my team members. She wrote, writes down every time I say that. So she is keeping a list and I'm like, okay, I need to stop saying this because we are getting a long list of things we need to start talking about. So don't worry. It will come. (laughs) That's great. Okay. So thank you so, so much for this wonderful conversation. I have learned a lot. I have enjoyed talking to you. And I'm sure the audience um, has enjoyed this as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. This has been a wonderful conversation. I'm so happy to have gotten to talk to you today, Chulu. So thank you for having me. And thanks for doing this podcast. I love this. I love this idea. I think it's wonderful. I don't know where you are on the journey of realizing your sovereignty. I am right in the thick of breaking away from the status quo by stopping to operate on autopilot. So to give you context, many people are surprised when they hear that I have a nine to five job. A lot of people think I just do Africana woman. 
So a couple months ago, I put in notice at work and I've decided to go full-time with Africana Woman. Of course, people around me, people being, you know, family, um, a few friends are concerned and they're panicking on my behalf <laughs> because of the perceived security of the monthly paycheck. And my response to them is to have faith, you know? To which I actually received an answer like, faith is not practical, like, it won't feed you. <laughs> okay, never mind. <laughs> Thing is that in every fiber of my being and in the depths of my soul, I know that it is time to transition. Now, suddenly... All these problems are popping up with Africana women, you know, in these last couple of weeks. And some would say, you see, it's a sign. Like, stepping out on your own is a bad idea. Like, what are you doing? Look at what's going on right now, you know? However, I see it differently. I think this is God asking me if this is what I really want, right? It's more of a test into how much I will fight for my purpose and the thing that I say I want. A lot of times we say we want something, but when push comes to shove, we drop everything at the first sign of resistance. Have you ever asked yourself, what is that one thing worth fighting for? For Sarah, it's sovereignty. For me, it's peace. I pray that you will find your thing because it is a divine gift. So you know what we say around here. Give Sarah her roses today. You can find her on Instagram at Entrepreneur Sarah. Tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast. Let her know what you learned from this conversation. Please remember that the podcast has a, a hotline and you can, send, uh, you can send me a WhatsApp message. You can send a voice note and tell me what you want to hear on the podcast. You can recommend guests. You can give feedback. And yeah. And in fact, you know, if you want to be a guest, on the show, reach out, and I believe that your story is important. So, yeah, and don't forget, I'm waiting for your messages for us to celebrate the 50th episode. So, guys and women, because <laughs> I know there are guys that listen. <laughs> so, if you're a listener, please help me celebrate this um amazing, amazing milestone. Now you can find me on socials. You can find me on Instagram only, guys, only Instagram at Chulu by Design. Say hi. I love hearing from you and I always respond. And thank you so, so much for being a listener. Make sure that you subscribe, rate and review the show. It really helps more Africana queens and kings to hear about us until next week know your roots grow your purpose